0: start to um, trickle in Um, please do let us know where you're tuning in from and uh, happy to see that some people are actually writing in the comments and so uh, my name is Erin for everyone who doesn't know me I am so so happy to be joining all of you fantastic people on this live webinar tonight Uh, I am your host and I'm hosting this live on behalf of the company that I co-founded which is an online wellness education platform focused on connecting self-identified women to the right practitioner um, into the network of alternative health and wellness, so that they actually don't get lost in the system. And just as a side disclaimer, we are actually changing our name, and uh, so be stay tuned for for that because we want to be as inclusive as we can. So this is our vodcast, Inspiring Insights, where we host incredible, amazing practitioners in our network, where you can get to know them and actually get to know them to maybe start your own wellness journey. So we're inspiring insights here with a hope um, for a more conscious world. And that really starts when women run just as authentically as they do efficiently so drop a little wave i see megan here hello again megan um i love seeing everyone saying hello and i really want to uh welcome folks in and maybe start with a little introduction where you're from where you're tuning in from and then everyone who's watching the replay tonight i know that some folks couldn't make it um at the live on-air discussion um know that we are feeling you uh that we feel your energy and thank you so much again for showing up for yourself uh in this world this crazy world of health and wellness trying to really navigate your own uh, health and wellness especially with a concussion is not easy so again like i said as people begin to uh hop on the call i'm going to introduce dr brigida so of course, today we're hosting a very special guest, Dr. Brigida. Um, and she's going to let us know everything that she can and that she knows about how to deal with a head injury and maybe even the post concussion side of things as well. Which women, as we know, also have um, very different side effects and maybe even uh, manifest those symptoms very uniquely apart from our male counterparts. So, Dr. Brigida, thanks so much for having us. You are a naturopathic doctor and a primary care physician, or sorry, <laughs> paramedic with uh, a mission to help active individuals struggling with persistent post-concussion symptoms. And I, what I really like about Dr. Brigida is that she helps people return to their highest level of play. And as a former athlete, I can get behind that. Um, she has over a decade of experience as a paramedic. Um, And has actually experienced firsthand the care and management of concussions in both the pre-hospital and emergency department settings. So as an intern on the sports medicine focus shift in her schooling, um, she had the opportunity to mentor with several medical advisory staff of the CCMI, which is the largest network of concussion clinics and the leader in concussion care in the, the world, I guess nice yeah and, and uh, of course I would say so one good. of them <laughs> good and of course her training as a naturopathic doctor and sports nutritionist has given her quite a, a deeper understanding of both how to create brain resiliency before impact and how a holistic treatment approach changes the trajectory of healing from brain injury so dr. Brigida, you're very passionate uh, multi-passionate and you also have a certified sports nutritionist uh, certification with the ISSN. Uh, you have advanced training in cranial sacral therapy from the world-renowned uh, Upledger Institute. And you try, I know, to integrate that within your clinical work to assist people as much as you can with their post-concussion recovery. And most importantly, last but not least, forgetta is uh, never too far from home. Which is the rank where you grew up at? Um, figure skating competitively, mm-hmm. and also you support your partner who is an elite hockey skills specialist. So I'm I'm so so happy to have you here, Brigitte. And uh, today we are going to really take a deep deep dive into what concussion recovery can look like. So let's let's have you start us off um, on maybe just educating. Uh, the audience on you know what a concussion actually is because there's some misinformation out there. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you so much, Sharon, for having me on this platform and allowing me to live out my mission. So um, a concussion really, I think a lot of it is misunderstood. And about I would say still about five, 10 years ago, we still got taught that it's a brain bruise. um, That it's actually like the skull hitting against or the brain hitting against the skull and it's it's causing internal bruise. Um, But what's actually happening is within your brain you have gray matter and white matter and they're different consistencies. So as what happens in a concussion usually is there's a force that enters the body. And it doesn't necessarily have to enter through the head. It could be through the torso as well. So what happens is that as the brain keeps moving, um, these different basically consistencies of tissue, they shear on each other. So they don't move in the same way. Um, And what happens is the neurons or nerve cells, they actually get stretched. So the things that should be on the inside end up on the outside and things that should be on the outside end up not there, right? So your brain quickly and your body quickly tries to correct this imbalance and these are electrolytes. So we're talking sodium, potassium. Your brain is trying to correct this problem, but basically it's happened on such a mass um, scale that the amount of energy that's required is just not able to keep up with. So that's often times when those symptoms of like a massive headache, Um, there's massive what we call depolarization. So basically depending where the person gets, where this happens within the brain, people have different symptoms. So every concussion looks different and every post concussion syndrome can look different as well depending which area of the brain is affected. So some people black out, some people can lose some vision, some some people might just have a headache. Um, So it all depends. And so really, there's a whole metabolic cascade is what we call that and it's a spreading depression. So the worst part of it usually happens about seven to 10 days where people start to feel super exhausted. Um, And sometimes these symptoms can be delayed, so they may not show up till a day or two later. So people can't necessarily be cleared on the sideline, which is a common misconception is that, you know, they may or may not have lost consciousness, which doesn't actually need to happen. So you don't need to have a loss of consciousness. Um, also common misconception and then and, you know, really those symptoms can take a little bit of time to actually um, come on. So the biggest thing is usually people should go to the emergency room if they're concerned about any of the red flags. Um, so those being any sort of like neck pain, actual like projectile vomiting, um, severe lethargy, people that are still confused and not coming around, not, not oriented. Um, if they're, yeah, just really sleepy within the first couple hours, we always want to rule out uh, bleed within the brain and then obviously any sort of skull fracture, neck fracture. And that's what the emergency room is really, really good for, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then I feel like that's where people get lost in the system. After that point, you know, the emergency docs are really good at what they do. But the reality is it takes about 10 to 15 years for about what we're doing clinically to actually become conventional standard of care. So right now the standard of care as far as the emergency side goes is like, here's some naproxen, go sit in a dark room. Yes. Right, And nobody tells you when to climb out of that cave, right? Um, And the reality is there's so many clinicians that are actually changing the face of this and actually doing some meaningful hands-on work to change that trajectory. Right off the hop. Nice. So, um, wow. That's okay. kind of the piece where I didn't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. So that was a whole lot more than what I was even expecting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So concussion, obviously, still really important for folks listening. Um, maybe even coaches or uh, other healthcare professionals that are listening to you know, once someone sustains a head injury, whether it be someone on your team, say. Um, it's really important to just just send those athletes to the emergency room and really get some vital kind of red flags rolled out
1: yeah it, there's been more awareness in the last couple of years as far as you know, coaching um, coaching renewals and continuing education and certifications about the awareness of concussions and there's been a lot of advocacy as well for teammates to speak up parents to speak up Because the only person who doesn't know they've had a concussion is the person who's had a concussion. Mm. So other people need to be looking out for them. Um, So that being said, absolutely, if you're ever uncertain, go to the emergency room. Because, you know, a concussion really is a fluffy term for mild traumatic brain injury. So it is an injury of the brain. And I think giving it the label of, like, oh, it's just a concussion is still... It doesn't completely... I guess give that sense of like, Hey, it's an actual trauma. Right. So I think that's yeah. where some of that, some of that is lost, I think in, in giving it just this fluffy term of concussion.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I don't think that people really take the term concussion as, um, light, but I do think that a lot of people don't know how to respond appropriately. And, um, You know, just Mm -hmm. having been through the sports system myself, playing elite soccer, you know, and it was about 10 years ago. So things have drastically changed since then. But I I still know that not all coaches are aware of what can really happen in the first, you know, 24 to 72 hours. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's the athlete themselves wanting to go back out onto the playing field.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. And I think... This also isn't talked about enough that the reality is those who sustain a concussion, there's actually dangers associated with going back in and having a second concussion, and one of the biggest ones is actually death. So Rowan's law was brought into law a couple of years ago, and Rowan was a rugby player, and she basically said she's like, you know, and die, and unfortunately that's what did happen to her. So there's something called secondary impact syndrome where your brain. trying to correct that energy deficit it's so energy deprived that when you sustain a a secondary concussion on top of that or another one on top of that your chances of dying can happen because you're actually causing permanent brain damage at this point so now you're basically having a severe uh, brain injury right so i think that's a big one for people to be aware of um and then on top of that there's been a lot of research that has come out actually ccmi has done a lot of their own work in the athletes that actually get care sooner return to play sooner. So I think there's this whole like, oh, if I don't do anything, like if I don't speak up and I hide it, it'll be fine. And I'll manage it if it gets worse. But they're actually finding it's the other way around. So the people that are not getting early care are the ones that are having those lingering post concussion symptoms for the longest time. And the longer they wait, the longer that tends to go. So it's all the more reason to be pulled out of play as soon yes. as possible and to seek care as soon as possible by a trained professionals that you know once the emergency room has cleared you then you really do need to go see concussion literate practitioners
0: oh i like that concussion literate practitioners mm-hmm. and so often mm-hmm. we don't see those types of practitioners right and and yeah. i guess if you're not in maybe like an urban center you know those those people are few and far between so You know who is it that really deals the best with concussions and uh, I think acutely maybe the the ER can help Mm -hmm. you and then you know it's up to maybe a coach or someone that's really close to you who who knows and who can kind of monitor you and that could be you know that could end up being a relative or someone who uh, you know just like is around you quite often like a friend or a partner so I think there's a lot more education to be to be put out there for the general public and I so so thank you you've already answered like so many of my questions like that, that a lot of people just don't know on the average about concussions right so okay so we've kind of got uh, we've talked a little bit about what concussion is and what we can do maybe in the first kind of 24 48 72 hours so when someone already has sustained a concussion. Uh, My next question is kind of how can someone really change that trajectory of their healing? And uh, I guess specifically what I'm talking about is maybe like what to do in the first little bit, maybe first week or two weeks, um, what foods to eat, what exercise to do and not to do, those kinds of things. Can you shed some light on those things?
1: Absolutely. Um, and
0: I think this is where the biggest gap is. So once people
1: are clear from the emergency room, okay, you're good to go. And then there isn't really this like, okay, where do you send people, right? And normally if there's another injury, there's always like a rehab that follows. With concussion, I think that awareness is still lacking. So what people can do at home, um, so you ideally you do want to rest probably for the first 24 to 48 hours and then after about 48 hours it's been shown that you want to get moving so those that have actually started moving have been found to decrease their symptoms as well. So what we mean by moving is really just like gentle walking, maybe riding a stationary bike. You don't want to exacerbate your symptoms but you want to just get some blood flow moving to the brain. So. The whole notion that you know exercise is medicine or motion is the lotion of life whatever you want to say um it really does like we need some blood flow happening to those tissues and in the in that process right we're bringing f- fresh nutrients we're also detoxing the old stuff and whatever damage so you definitely want to get moving and it it could you know depending on how and we don't grade concussions from like mild moderate severe anymore but you know some people will have more symptoms or less symptoms and that might mean like you just get up and walk around the block that that might be it and that's okay but it's just basically getting yourself moving and off that couch um or out of bed because the longer you sit there the more that becomes your norm and for athletes too there's a deconditioning that happens right like the longer it's like any injury, if you just sit there, it's just gonna get worse essentially. So really that's, I think that rest piece is huge because so many people are misinformed and they're told to just rest and rest. And that's not the treatment anymore for so many things, but it's still kind of that mainstream standard of care um, Then the message that that's being passed on. So I think if anything, like just get moving. Um, hydration is a big piece as well. So post-concussion symptoms, like that brain fog, that headache, um, the fatigue. They, like, we don't know, is it dehydration or is it post-concussion symptoms because they show up as the same, right? So hydration is a big thing. And I always tell um, my patients, you know, you always want to gauge it by the color of your urine. So that whole adage of two liters of water, they literally pick some guy and they're like, how much water should we be drinking? He's like, two liters. And they're like, okay, two liters it is, but it's not based on anything. Um, So you want to be ideally, urinating every couple hours, you're looking at it to be clear pale yellow and that's how you know you're hydrated. So by staying hydrated, um, you're actually, the cerebral spinal fluid, so the fluid that surrounds the brain, we're actually um, 90% of that is water. So you wanna supply the brain with enough fluid to a, protect itself, but also bring nutrients, get rid of any sort of toxins that are happening because there's lots happening in the initial phases as you take a sip the water, <laughs> amazing. So, staying hydrated is, is a big one. Um, and then we yeah. get into the
0: diet. So... For one sec. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, and I want to just mm-hmm. go back to the movement piece because, you know, especially as athletes, I think that people think movement is, like, going back to the gym, doing their regular routine. No, mm-hmm. this is, like, you know, maybe two to five minutes out for a walk is good enough just to get some sort of blood flow moving and and that can be really difficult in itself and frustrating for people who are used to you know an hour or two of exercise per day right a thousand percent and this is where you know if you do have in your
1: city a trained like a, a concussion clinic or trained professionals The next step is within that first week you want to book an appointment and get a treadmill test and see what those symptoms are like and what exacerbates your symptoms, like what degree of exercise. So you actually want to do a graded exercise. So if you're on a treadmill, um, you start off obviously resting a light, um, a moderate like a light moderate walk and then you keep going up and if your symptoms start to exacerbate that's when you stop and then you do 70 to 80% of that heart rate. So essentially a treadmill test will give us an idea of like, where is that submaximal training that your brain can tolerate? It's not what you can tolerate as an athlete. It's the brain that is inflamed and how much blood can we get there to the tissues while it is still like inflamed and we're trying to heal and also just supply it now with the demand that you're asking for. So. It's that consistent exercise that we want. It's not high intensity interval training. It's literally, it might feel like you're a hamster on a wheel and that's exactly what it should feel like, right? And it's frustrating to every athlete and being an athlete in my life, I, get, I totally get it. It's one of the most frustrating things. Um, and that goes back to another piece I wanna to touch on too is like the three people um, that you wanna have in your care team. Um, so you definitely want to have a physical rehab person that's going to help you um, with the neck rehab. Um, so going back to what a concussion actually is, the amount of force that it, that it takes to sustain a concussion is about 70 G's um, and a whiplash injury is about four and a half. So a sneeze is about three. So okay. <laughs> yeah, so with almost every concussion, there's a whiplash injury. So we need to address it as such. So You need a manual practitioner that's going to help you work through that piece and the neck always needs to be looked at no matter what. Um, The neuro metabolic piece is really the piece that you can help yourself and the piece where I come in as a naturopathic doctor as well with that inflammation piece and then the mental emotional piece that we're talking about it right it's that frustration and that those emotions that come up of not being able to do anything. Um, or not that not being able to do anything, but not being able to do what you're used to doing regularly. Um, And there's a lot of emotions that come up, right? You're separated from, if you're playing a team sport, you're separated from your team. You're away from all those people that you're normally used to associating in your routine. If you're in school, now all of a sudden that's not happening or work, whatever it is. So there's a massive shift that happens and this emotional piece isn't touched on a lot of times. But going back to the metabolic piece and how you can help yourself is we'll talk about an anti-inflammatory diet and what that looks like. But we'll talk about kind of the five, six things that we really want to make sure we don't do. Um, okay. Yeah, because these are huge. And I see I see it so often that when you, you know a lot of those symptoms, really that neuroinflammation that stays there so the headaches the brain fog those things they're really triggered a lot by the foods that we eat because of how susceptible our brain is because we've had a traumatic brain injury so these aren't off your list forever it's just at this point in time you need to be eating a diet that is supporting your brain through a traumatic brain injury right so the big one and one likes these <laughs> gluten is a huge one um it it's yeah. So with a leaky or sorry, with a traumatic brain injury as well, we get something called leaky gut. So within three hours of a brain injury, our gut, the cells in our gut essentially start to separate. So the things that shouldn't be getting through the small intestine, they do. So gluten is one of those things that actually further furthers the damage and further the inflammation. Hmm within the system and it actually the body reacts to it so it actually create that inflammatory response even more so when you're dealing with an already neuroinflammatory condition now this is inflammation on top of it so gluten is a big one um, white sugar or white death as I like to call it right we know sugar is super inflammatory in any chronic condition we look at uh, brain injury is no different and along with that, a lot of the fake sugars and the refined carbs, so all your cookies and cakes and all those things that you would normally do. Um, dairy is another one. So a lot of the same reasons as gluten, there's a lot of cross reactivity and inflammation that happens, especially um, in those early stages. And then alcohol. Alcohol is actually a neurotoxin. Whether you have a brain injury or not, it kills neurons. So you know uh, that's a hard one for athletes because I think part of it, you know. There's that, always that culture in a lot of sports of like having a drink or going out with your teammates and having drinks. And I think that's often not spoken about either, um, but that's got to go for at least a little while until that healing happens.
0: Oh, so now that so we- so big. Other such um, a big one. I, <laughs> I, I like, can't emphasize that enough, yeah. you know, especially as uh, an athlete who may be you know, in early 20s, late teens, just kind of starting to get the taste for alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um and then of course later in your life too, alcohol is such a big um social thing, right? People ask you out for drinks all the time. And the the I think willpower to say no Mm -hmm. is is big. But at that point, you know, you're dealing with a lot. You can hardly even say no. Like you don't even Mm -hmm. know what you're saying sometimes (laughs) with a concussion. Um, I remember myself just like having a a total brain fart and trying to introduce my friend to a bunch of others and i had no idea what their names were you know and it was like Mm. at a party and i was so embarrassed and that's only like a couple of things and of course i was drinking of course i was eating gluten you know all the things that were bad that i had no idea about so or quote unquote bad for at the time when you're trying to recover right so oh thank you so much for shedding that light and sorry to interrupt but. Just had to include that no. here.
1: <laughs> and you're absolutely right. I think, you know, and especially when we look at like collegiate athletes, right? They're the ones that are playing higher level sports, and it is part of the culture. You're away potentially from home, you're drinking, you're out with your friends, right? It's kind of the norm, and it is what it is. So it's just one of those things that needs to be talked about with practitioners as well and being like, hey, just be aware you're going to do this, you're probably going to feel worse for a while. So,
0: yeah, for yeah.
1: sure. Um, yeah, I think those are the big ones if people start there. I mean, as as naturopathic doctors, we can always dig deeper and see what other foods could potentially be aggravating symptoms for you, because there are individual food sensitivities. As well right. That we can look into. Um, but on the flip side, so those are the things to avoid. Um, you want to increase a lot of. So when they say eat the rainbow of fruit and veg and all those good things that's really where the nutrients come from right so and i feel like i have this discussion with my athletes just even in health optimization it's like eat the rainbow um not just french fries and potatoes of some sort but when we're looking at all the different uh, brain supporting nutrients right so things like blueberries are really high in antioxidants um and dark berries or berries in general Greens, which I know are always a hard one to get into people. So if that means you need to potentially supplement a greens powder, um, they're just nutrient dense foods. And really what is when you have an injury of any sort, your body is craving nutrients to help rebuild. So you need to support your body in that. And yes, you're probably going to crave sugar and you're going to crave salt because they're easy, easy of energy but they're not sustaining your brain to heal and they're actually causing more damage in the short run and the long run. So it's really trying to be conscious about like how am I getting nutrient dense food into my body? Um, your brain is also mostly fat. So we wanna make sure we're providing healthy fats. So we look at things like olive oil, coconut oil, nuts, seeds, avocados, fatty fish, um, Chocolate is also one of my favorites. It's so good for your brain. It's high in antioxidants, not the milk chocolate, but the dark chocolate, um, and that's a that's a great one. Um, and then you know, healthy um, meats as healthy as you can do, and or if you want your protein source to be lentils, beans, whatever it is, just making sure you're getting adequate um, protein as well to actually rebuild the proteins in your own body. Um, And those are the big ones. I think we often, you don't have to subscribe to a particular diet, but it's just making sure like, am I getting my veg, am I getting my fruit, healthy fats, and my proteins, and really just whatever form you want that in and whether it's a vegan diet or if you want to do more keto or whatever it is, but really staying away from the fried foods and the things that are so inflammatory and the processed foods. So it doesn't matter what you want to label your diet, if you want to label it, but just getting those fundamental nutrients into you will make a world of difference. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: So, so, key. so okay, we talked about the things to avoid, mm-hmm. um, which are, you know, uh, I guess which <laughs> are outnumbered by the things to include, which is good. Um, so maybe um, let's, let's kind of shift gears now and talk about maybe why it's important for um, women and self-identified women to actually do this work um, because, I mean, I don't want to negate uh, the fact that, you know, everyone gets concussions, but women specifically have very specific symptoms and, and things that don't often happen to our counterparts. So. But can you shed some light on that and and maybe why maybe more women have post concussion syndrome and deal with those symptoms
1: yeah so interestingly enough females are actually twice as likely to sustain a concussion um and like every other realm of medicine it's just not studied as much as it is your young healthy 25 year old males right so mm-hmm there's some theories out there, but there's no actual real like pinpoint thing that we can say, hey, this is exactly why. So a couple of things that have been brought up is next strength, so our necks are just not as strong as male counterparts. um, But that still Mm -hmm. doesn't fully explain the fact that it's the actual sharing of the neurons. So I don't quite know how to that to play or how to actually what to do with that necessarily Mm -hmm. um so there's some reporting differences too so sometimes females you know we're pretty tough cookies and we tend not to say anything and we're like maybe it'll just pass and it'll go away Um, so maybe we're not seeing care as early as some of our male counterparts and then when we do see care maybe we're being more honest with reporting our symptoms for actually being honest and not being like no i'm fine i'll just go back and tough it out so there might be some reporting differences that happen Um, yeah yeah, which is interesting and then hormones are a huge piece so there's been some limited but interesting research um, in females so they kind of looked at when females sustained a concussion and so we basically basic just kind of menstrual cycle so day one is the day you start to bleed kind of day midway through your cycle day 14 you obviously and usually day 28 average, um, it restarts again. So in that first phase of your cycle from basically your bleed to ovulation, your estrogen tends to be higher and then once you've ovulated till you bleed again, it's more uh, dominated by progesterone. So they found that females that actually sustained a concussion in the first half of their cycle actually ended up having less post-concussion syndrome. So because progesterone is so, um, it's such a potent neuro, antioxidant and anti-inflammatory. What they suspect is happening is that when you sustain a concussion in the first half of your cycle, your progesterone is about to rise. So that actually helps with a lot of the inflammation and that's sustained for at least two weeks, usually in most females. But what's happening in the females that are getting concussions in the second half is you're gonna have that sudden drop coming up in a week or two and where that would normally be productive, now it's really dropping off and that drop off is potentially what of brings on some more of those post-concussion syndromes. So, I mean, there's no real way to study this because we can't induce, it's it's ethically wrong to induce concussions in people, right? So (laughs) it's kind of just like checking back to see, hey, where were you in your cycle? And they've just noticed some interesting differences. Um, And, you know, yeah, so some of the symptoms that show up in females, and some of the females I've had a chance to work with, you know, they played rugby in high school, and now all of a sudden, like their menstrual cycles all over the place, and they can't really figure out why. And then when we start to dig deeper, which is such an like a luxury we have as naturopathic doctors, like, oh, you played you played rugby, and you know, five ten years ago, we didn't really diagnose concussions. That wasn't really a thing. You just walked it off and got back on the field, and now you're like, okay, so this could potentially be an issue and so when we look at the way our hormones are regulated we have the hypothalamus pituitary um, adrenal axis but also the hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axis so same thing our stress and our cortisol which is our stress hormone is super high that shifts everything and so it's going back to our nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system, right? It doesn't know are we being chased by a saber-toothed tiger or did we just have a traumatic brain injury? It's still going to have that cortisol stress response. So that can actually shift because the last thing you want to be doing when you're running from a tiger is getting pregnant, right? So <laughs> that can, that can essentially shift everything. So And this goes back to another piece about self-care is that sleep piece, and that is often affected in females. And it's that sympathetic overdrive that oftentimes in post-concussion patients, it turns on and then it stays on. So that's a big one. Um, And I don't know if you wanted to get into that now or if we wanted to get into that a little bit later, but I think the big piece really is, is that stress response and the fact that our hormones are so different um and then going back to some of my craniosacral therapy training um so let me grab my skull
0: (laughs) amazing of course you have the
1: skull skull, so (laughs) of course right so this red bone right here is the sphenoid so in here behind the frontal bone so the pituitary gland sits in there so the pituitary gland is our master endocrine so our master hormone center essentially um, but the sphenobloin is actually the most mobile bone in the skull so Depending where that trauma potentially comes into the head or even to the neck or to the body this bone will shift in response to everything else so because the, the Pituitary sits in there if it's shifted it can change the blood supply it can change everything to it So it's not going to function as it should because it's it's adapting and compensating so that can be a piece that I look at too when I'm manually doing some manual work on people because that can often be impacted um, post concussion.
0: Wow, that's amazing mm-hmm. and something um, that everybody should know. So let's talk about this. You're talking about par- uh, sympathetic overdrive, so the, you know, the fight or flight response being on overdrive, and I, I definitely resonate with that one. Mm-hmm. Is, is there something connected to Uh, The pituitary gland, you know, I hear a lot about the vagus nerve Um, How what is there something there that relates them and maybe how can we start to relax that part of our body?
1: Yeah, excellent question. So A lot of us have heard of like the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. There's also the enteric nervous system. So it's that gut brain -brain connection. And there's more research coming to light now about the connection between the two and really structurally there's the vagus nerve. So the cranial nerve is the longest nerve and it's literally dubbed the wanderer. So it wanders from our brain. It goes right through our, um, our throat and in this area and it goes all the way into our diaphragm and all the way to our intestines. So if this nerve is constantly in that flight or flight response, um, there's going to be you know, digestive issues, sleep issues, um, so many different things going on, anxiety, it can show up as anxiety. So really there's, there's quite a few ways to shift that. Um, one of my favorite ways is breathing exercises. And a lot of us, you know, we're naturally, you know, we breathe from up here, from our shoulders. Um, But if you actually place your hands on the side of your rib cage and just actually taking a deep breath to expand your rib cage out to the side, um, is not often something that we ever focus on, right? It's like no one taught us to breathe. (laughs) We we all of a sudden just like. We were birthed one day and then we just breathe, but no one's ever taught us how to do it properly. And we often forget and just breathe from the top of our chest here. Um, and this is a great one I like to recommend to people before you, like every time you sit down to have a meal, take four to five nice deep breaths, right? It just shifts your body into that parasympathetic state um, where you can actually release digestive juices into your gut and actually tell your body, hey, we're gonna eat. Let's get ready to receive nutrients to actually digest this food. To like, calm down. That saber tooth tiger is not chasing me, it'll be okay, right? So, because that's where the the growth and the repair and yeah, our growth hormone is essentially secreted is when you know we're in that state. Um, things like gargling or like saying a nice home. Um, I know you have a couple favorites as well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, breath work is, is a huge one, yeah, of course. Um, Meditation. I'm a mindfulness teacher, so, you know, Mm -hmm. meditation and mindfulness, mindful eating, like you mentioned, even just taking a few deep breaths before you start to eat um, really changes the body's reaction to the food that we're ingesting. So if Mm -hmm. we're in that sympathetic overdrive, oftentimes taking those couple deep breaths before we eat and this goes, you know, a couple deep breaths before your presentation or a couple deep breaths before a big work meeting. Um, will change that par- that sympathetic overdrive into the parasympathetic and that means that you'll go into it with a um, greater body a greater physical understanding of what is happening in the moment and so it gets you out of your it literally gets you out of your your head out of your rational mind and kind of into your own body and more present is really what we want to be right Especially for recovery, so yeah, and and I do. I know <laughs> I preach this a little bit, but uh, movement and dancing is always good. And intuitive movement, like not actually like head banging. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but moving in ways that really just make our body feel good. And mm-hmm. I know that a lot of a lot of my uh, recovery from my own post concussion uh, symptoms was based on. Just taking the time, you know, one or two minutes after I get out of the shower and stretching my pecs, my neck, um, my shoulders, you know, that upper body. And that really actually helped me release something in my diaphragm, I think, that just like made me become less of a chest breather and more of a belly breather, which is what we're really getting at. that, That belly breath that activates the vagus nerve, that activates the parasympathetic state so that you can be more present in your body for your recovery. So, and I know that, um, Dr. Brigida has uh, graciously, uh, volunteered to give everyone that's tuning in right now, um, a copy of her vagus nerve reset, uh, which is an amazing resource for anybody, uh, outside of the post concussion realm or concussion realm in general, but, you know, also could really, really help someone, uh, sustain more of, You know that presence in their body on a day-to-day so everyone who's here right now will be getting a copy and I'll put it in the comments below uh, for people that are watching at this later so yeah you have highlighted so much Um, it's almost you know (laughs) unfathomable how much knowledge you have as an individual and and how that could really help someone grow out of their um, post-concussion symptoms so I do have actually a few more questions if you uh, are kind of finished on on your topic of resetting that vagus nerve
1: yeah absolutely
0: perfect yeah I'd love to
1: take some questions
0: people have been so responsive to this particular webinar and a lot of people who have or are you know recovering from concussions currently so uh, I have one question from a participant Uh, Basically, she was asking, I don't know if you touched on this fully, but she has gone gluten-free. And so she's noticed just in one and a half months how much of a difference that that has made. Can you speak to any other changes in diet that could contribute? And what she specifically was talking about was um, she actually mostly eats vegetarian
1: yeah, so gluten is a big one, and I think part of it is, yes, it's the actual gluten itself, but the other thing we need to remember is most of our wheat is sprayed with glyphosate, so that's actually super damaging for our gut bacteria, and when we're looking at our gut too, right, that leaky gut or that gut hyperpermeability starting within a couple hours, there's that damage, so it's so, like, it's, it's hard to imagine because it's not a visible injury, right, these are all invisible injuries, so... Um, really taking away and it's one of the tenets of naturopathic medicine right is actually removing obstacles to cure so this is a big one and we did touch on this so the other ones are the white sugar um, your processed carbs that you have and your um, your artificial sweeteners because um, they can often be more damaging and they can actually um, so what happens to in the brain when there's a concussion is there's a glutamate uh, release which is an excitatory um, neurotransmitters so it basically causes things to keep firing and so what can happen with a lot of the artificial sugars is they work on the same pathway so you're actually causing to keep firing and you're, that whole spreading depression that energy deficit that you have that's just going to worsen um, mm-hmm. so if you really do need to use a little bit of sweetener like aim for something like your maple syrup or your honey something natural that, that you find from, from the earth Um, And then dairy is another big one. So your alternatives would be like your nut milks and things like that. Um, And then alcohol is the other one we touched on. Some people find also, so your eggs, your corn and your soy can also be um, for some people triggers. And then obviously um, some of us have individual food sensitivities and they can actually be exacerbated with a head injury because there's so much inflammation and those oftentimes will come down once the healing has been done and that tissue's actually been repaired.
0: Mm, So you can kind of go back to eating those foods later.
1: Absolutely, so once you rebuild, so it's kind of like if you have a, I think relating it back to like, if you actually have an open scar on your hand, if you keep right with something that's gonna keep ripping it open, it's just gonna keep damaging it. So you wanna let it, you wanna take away first of all, whatever's causing that to be like rashed open or cut open. You want to let it heal and you want to support that healing. And then once it's healed, then you're like, okay, once it's had time to nicely, you know, form that, like that, not just the scar tissue skin, but the actual like all our layers of skin, then you can reintroduce that and it'll probably be fine. So I think it's, I think that's a piece too. It's like, these are not forever like off your list foods. It's just while you're healing from that brain injury, you just need to give it some time to actually heal.
0: Mm, Nice. Thank you for elaborating more on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah and uh, thanks for that participant to ask that question Mm -hmm. Uh, at this point I want to ask if there is any other questions from the participants Um, just drop them in the the comments section and, and we'll definitely get to you I love how many questions were asked even before this webinar happened so as folks are thinking about perhaps more questions. Um, I'm gonna ask another one, not to take up too much space in this conversation, but I I would also like to know um, about the sustained injuries that can happen maybe over a a longer period of time. So, you know, how much more at risk am I um, when I've had a concussion or several concussions about personality changes over time you know, you hear about football players who, you know, have murdered their wife and kids because mm-hmm. they got too many concussions, you know, and um how you know how at risk are we for that?
1: That's an excellent question. So I think going back to like the initial post-concussion, we talked a little bit about like secondary impact syndrome and what that looks like. So initially from a concussion, usually they usually it tends to get worse from 7 to 10 days. That's kind of the low. So if you have that injury, 7 to 10 days is when you're kind of hitting that most energy deficit in your brain. And then about 30 days, that deficit physiologically is restored. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your systems are back to actually being able to function the way they were. So this is really where for athletes, you need to be tested and the standard really is the Buffalo treadmill test where they actually push to see like are you getting symptoms can your body and your nervous uh, your nervous system basically increase enough or get enough blood flow to your brain when you're putting those tissues under demand and that's really one of the safest ways to know like can we put you back in the game and know that you're ready to hopefully not sustain a concussion. the other one, yeah, so that's really a big one is the Buffalo treadmill test and then there's the Blackhawks test too, which is so really where we can say, um, okay, that's like, you really are ready to go back and if you sustain a secondary concussion, you're probably going to be okay because you've recovered from the first one. So the key here is recovery. And really there's no number we can say like, oh, if you've had three concussions, it's too many concussions because really I think it comes back to that healing and the other thing is if you find yourself sustaining concussions easier every single time then maybe we need to assess like okay I think maybe that's enough right Um, but that's really individual and there's no hard or fast rule. and. The other topic I think that has come up so much is CTE, right? Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. So that's essentially chronic swelling of the brain because of trauma. So it's something that is actually diagnosed post mortem. So it's a cluster of symptoms that people show, but the only way to diagnose it is by actually cutting your skull open, cutting your brain open and saying, hey, we have some plaques here. So it's not something we can diagnose clinically, where someone comes in, I'm like, oh, you have CT. Like, that's not a thing. Um, And then going back to your football player question, absolutely, right? But I always wonder, so we know there's a neuroinflammation picture, so if there's swelling in the brain, there's inflammation in the brain. And I've had this conversation with a couple of people, and I kind of wonder, you know, part of some sports is being potentially overweight or heavier. So football pairs, some positions are required for you to be 250, 300 pounds. For a lot of those athletes to get that way, they're not necessarily eating the most nutrient-dense food and the cleanest diet. So we know there's inflammation within the body already. Mm -hmm. So if there's this chronic inflammation, that's that's always there. Now you're sustaining a a traumatic brain injury, which we know sets off this whole inflammatory cascade. And then whatever we to actually try to bring that inflammation down and all those things that we would do to bring that inflammation down could potentially cause them to lose weight which could cause them to not play as efficiently or as well so it's really kind of questionable like is it more of the the position and the sport and what is required of them that's really kind of contributing to this or is it you know something that really is like Under like not managed properly, which I mean with pro football or in pro sports in general It's such a conflict of interest when your team doc is also clearing you but there's millions of dollars on the line, right? So yeah, there's so many issues within that whole system. So as far as CTE goes We really don't have an answer because it's not something we diagnose. It's just something we see on autopsy Um, and I think it goes back to like the system and the resilience and what's actually there to begin with, like that inflammation that's there to begin, like, then I wonder if it's more prevalent in some sports just because of the demands of the sport.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's, that's a really good answer. I never even thought of that, you know, that already existing inflammation Mm -hmm. that exists. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, there is another question that has come in. So during recovery, um, can I or, ex- or can I expect to learn new skills? Um, and are there limitations with learning bigger things like maybe gross motor movements or languages or instruments? Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah. So when we look at uh, the category mild traumatic brain injury, strokes actually fall into this. So we know the brain is this beautiful thing and it has neuroplasticity, right? So. It's what I love so much about doing brain work is it's always surprising what people are capable of and people that are often told like, oh, you'll never walk again. And then they're like running marathons. So I think a big piece of this is the mental emotional piece. And, you know, if you have like seen any, any of like Joe Dispenza's work and you know he basically like brought his spinal cord back together so the power of the mind is such a beautiful thing and it's one of the things that I start with too with every one of my athletes is a gratitude practice and focusing on the positives and really shifting that mindset to okay this is what's going right in my world today and really building on that so I think. And that's not to say that every day will be rainbows and butterflies because there will be some days that will just be absolute shits and you're like, I'm just glad that I have a bed right now and this is where I can lay and I can just do nothing. Right. And that's very real. And there will be some good days and some bad days and it's not linear. But I think overall, if you keep a positive outlook on it and you have a support system, that's the other thing I think we need to address is just having those people that are on your team that will support you on the good days and the bad days, Um, I think learning anything and relearning things are not impossible, right? So to what extent you can do that, I don't know and I think it's different for everyone and there's obviously different people that I pull in, you know, um, when you look at um, like certain people that deal with neurology, like functional neurologists. Sometimes it's people like that that I refer to that will really help with those things where things are just not integrating in the brain. And so I will refer out because that is not my forte, but I know that they can help with those pieces. So I think in combination with people wanting to learn new things and trying and keeping a positive mind and then having the right people and the right support system, I think a lot of things are possible for sure.
0: Wow. Nice. Yeah. And that is kind of a good uh way to end off there is one more question and it it comes from uh one of our listeners and she's asking will i ever be the way that i used to be so you know when someone walks into your clinic and asks you that question what is that response you know you have to maintain maintain hope but at what at what level do you answer that
1: yeah, that's a tough one because there is no, like, you know, I wish we had a crystal ball and we can say absolutely, right? Yeah. But uh, that's a tough one and there's no yes or no and there's no guarantees in medicine for anything. That's the reality. So we're going to try and get you back to where you are, but that doesn't necessarily mean we may not have to change certain things, right? So you might have to implement different, um, for some people to remembering certain things, so maybe different structures to help you get through the day and different, um, different, yeah, systems and structures that will help you get to where you want to be. Until those things become more automatic, or until your brain gets to that point where it will remember and rewire those neurons and make those connections, right? So, once again, there's no easy answer. I really wish there was, um, and it is. For some people, it's a super long process, and it, sometimes it, you know, it takes really digging into into everything. Um, into hormones and into like even the mental emotional piece and what is still hanging on there and sometimes you know people have been stuck in this and I think this is oftentimes we don't speak about this enough is that there's safety in what has protected you from so long so in that post-concussion syndrome there's something it is offering you protection of something and change is hard and change is scary right so sometimes it's addressing that emotional piece of like hey, what's actually behind there? And if I let go of this, what is this unknown? And that could be really scary for people too. And i that's another piece and, and somewhere that, you know, whether it is a naturopathic doctor that you have a chance to talk to or whether it's a mental health professional that you want to call in, that piece definitely needs to be addressed as well.
0: Wow. Words of wisdom from Dr. Brigida. I really appreciate all those mm-hmm. amazing answers. And and such insight that you've delivered here today. Um, Dr. Brigida, is there anything else from you that you wanted to add uh, that we potentially missed or maybe just let the let the folks know how they can uh, contact you and, and start working with you?
1: Yeah, I think we did an amazing overview of post-concussion syndrome and all of the things. So that was wonderful. Thank you so much for giving a platform to share that with and for the wonderful questions that came in. So I am mainly on Instagram. So I'm at, uh, at doctor underscore Brigitta, B-R-I-G-I-T-T-A underscore N-D. And I have my Vegas reset under there. So you can check that out in my link. My website is www.drbrigitta.com as well. So those are the best places to find me.
0: Okay, and I've just put those in the comments section for anybody wondering. Once again, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Brigida, for for being here and sharing your truth and sharing your message. And thank you to all of the audience that has showed up. Uh, We're proud of you, and good luck on your journey of health and wellness.
1: Thank you so much for having me here.
0: Okay, have a good night. Thanks. Take care.